Welcome to the latest edition of the PLU Podcast. My name is Zach Powers. I work in PLU's Division of Marketing and Communication. Today, I'm joined by PLU professor Colleen Hacker and PLU alumna Cheryl Brost. One of the most physically fit women on the planet, Cheryl is currently ranked number one in the world in the 45 to 49-year-old women's division of CrossFit. She's the reigning champion of the Reebok CrossFit Games in that division and finished in the top four of the 40 to 44-year-old division in 2014 and 15. Cheryl's career as a student athlete at PLU from 1989 to 1992 is among the most decorated in school history. As a member of the PLU women's soccer team, Cheryl earned All-American honors, was named the Adidas National Player of the Year for NAIA, was a two-time All-American scholar athlete and a two-time national champion. She also played point guard in the women's basketball team and has been inducted into the PLU Athletics Hall of Fame. Colleen is a professor of kinesiology here at PLU and is an international authority on sports psychology. She served as the head coach of the PLU women's soccer team from 1980 to 1995 and led the team to three national championships. Colleen served as a sports psychology consultant and an assistant coach for the women's U.S. national soccer team from 1995 to 2007. Colleen has also served as the U.S. women's national hockey team's mental skills coach since 2011 and works with a variety of other professional, international, and Olympic athletes. I'm going to start today with a few warm-up questions around health and fitness, which is what we'll be talking about when we get into kind of the more in-depth uh, interview questions. I just want to do a speed round and, and kind of get a feel for some of your lifestyle and habits around health and fitness. So we'll start with Colleen. Would you rather take a two-hour mountain hike or two-hour walk on a sandy beach? Oh, man, I want both. And there's enough hours in the day. I'm not, I can't pick. You can't pick? I want them both. All right. I want them both. We're off to a good start with these with these answers. How about you? Well, I now live in Hawaii and I have the luxury to be able to do both. And I like the diversity yeah. of where we live. So I, I kind of have to agree with Coach Colleen. I got to go with both. All Hit right. the mountains and then go to the beach. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Next question. Do you prefer to take a distance run by yourself or with a friend, Cheryl? I kind of like those solitude times by myself, actually. First of all, I don't like really talking when I run, <laughs> so it kind of is awkward when you're running with someone and you're just silent. So yeah, I just enjoy that solitude time. Yeah. I am a distant, uh, distance runner, uh, so that's an easy one for me. It's solitude. Uh, it's one of the few things I don't do with anybody else. That's my quiet time, my thinking time, uh, my health and fitness time. Would you rather live within a few blocks of a park or a gym, Cheryl? Mm, park. I live one quarter mile from Point Defiance, so that answers your question right there. The access to the We've park. Got some great synergy going so yeah, far. Yeah, out my back door, and, and I'm in the park for runs, hikes, and everything else. All right, if you, could, if you answer this question exactly the same, something weird's happening. <laughs> so, Cheryl, if you could pick five ingredients to make a smoothie with, what, do you, what are your five ingredients, just kind of first five that come to your mind? I love berries, so blueberry, strawberry, raspberries, marionberry. I'll throw a banana in there. All right. Oh, my God. It's going to seem like we've just, you know, planned all this. <laughs> if the word ends in berry, it can go in my smoothie. So <laughs> I'm, I'm down with all of that. I would put some greens in. So I would probably add kale or spinach. And, yeah, ice and uh, 2% Greek yogurt. Greek yogurt. And then are we doing a juice or a milk base on those or just... The ice and the and the and the fruits. Whole the, foods, nothing okay. but yeah. whole foods. Whole foods. Gotcha. 
That's the serious person's yep. smoothie. Folks probably picked up on this in, the, in the, the bio section, but how do you two know each other? And also beyond that, what character traits do you remember most vividly about one another? Well, I had the opportunity to play for Colleen uh, in the soccer program back in 1989. Um, and some of the traits, I there's so many traits we picked up from Coach. Um, for sure, some of the ones that really stuck with me to this day is always leave the place better than the, than you found it. And I think that applies in a lot of different aspects of life. And just basically to make yourself strive to be better each day. There's so much that I remember about Cheryl as a student athlete here. But let me just say, to, to give some sort of success and historical perspective, at least three of her four years, maybe four, her final game of each season was playing for the national championship. There's not many people on planet Earth in any sport at any size university who can say that. So the level of our soccer program uh, before Cheryl's tenure, during Cheryl's tenure, and after Cheryl's tenure I, is really uh, rare air and, and virtually unprecedented in, in most intercollegiate programs. So the quality of that program, so for her to be able to come in and immediately make an impact on the field. I mean, you spend three minutes with Cheryl and you understand what a marvelous human being she is. Uh, but to be able to come into a program of that stature, reigning, uh, national. Yeah. reigning <laughs> national champions, and to come in into a starting role and a playmaking role, a midfield role, think of that as your quarterback or your field general, it speaks volumes about her skill set and her ability. But I think one of the joys uh, for me is that I didn't just recruit players. We recruited people of high character, of high quality, people who not only weren't afraid of hard work, but wanted that, embraced that. So I think of Cheryl as an intelligent student, a marvelous human being, but an incredible athlete who was of the stature of both the program uh, and her teammates. Do either of you remember any kind of particular stories that jump out about the other, either on or off the field, any <laughs> flat tires in the middle of Oregon, any, anything like that? Ooh. Road trips were always a blast. Um, you know, I do they even do the vans anymore? They don't. Okay. And I'll talk about that, too. So, yeah, we had the PLU of full-size vans that we would most – always travel in and uh it was just we always made the traditional stop at ampm mini market now back in the day i guess you know i don't drink soda anymore nor do i but coach colleen she, she liked to drink a little soda now and then yeah <laughs> we'd all fill up with our 32 ouncer and hit the road with our snacks and yeah it was a lot of fun times were different yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, I, I hear that, and, and, and I'm sure more things will, will come to yeah. Cheryl's mind. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I hear so much talk. I, there's no other way to say it is, you know, we need more facilities or we need better this or we need better that. And, and I just don't share that view. I think what you need is excellence, and excellence can find itself in any kind of situation. So we had people... You know, my assistant coach of 13 years, Stacey Waterworth, driving one van, 
reluctantly I would on occasion, but a senior or a manager would drive the other van. I mean, we're sleeping in church floors. Mm-hmm. We're picking up the the plugs when the field was aerated, and we didn't bat an eye. I think what I remember is how much we did with how little, and not one person complained or you viewed it as an impediment or talked about how much better we'd be if we had A, B, or C. We just found a way to succeed, and I think we loved I think we loved being the underdog in that way. I think we were just sort of uh, hard hat people. That's mm-hmm. what I'd say. It's like you just get it done, and and I think we took pride in it. We yeah. were excited about it, and and I and I'll I'll sort of jump ahead in a way to the end. It's very meaningful to me. I, this morning's no example. I there's probably not. Uh, probably five of seven days of every week of my life, I'm hearing from from a former player or student athlete. This morning, I woke up to an email from one of my assistant coaches, Kat Connor, who's mm-hmm. now a Division One head coach. Uh, I just heard this morning from Asta Kavitna from Oslo, Norway. So that's just this morning. So I think we did things the right way with the right people and for the right reasons. And how we ended... Uh, every every break of the huddle, a hundred percent of the break of every huddle was with one word cheer, and that cheer was together. together. <laughs> That's meaningful yeah. to me. That yeah. gives me goosebumps to this day. We'll be right back with more from Cheryl and Colleen, featuring video testimony from sixteen PLU students, faculty members, and staff. PLU's Listen Campaign is a collection of individual stories that provide multiple perspectives on what it means to be a community that not only embraces diversity, but also works actively in community to provide social change. Learn more at plu.edu slash listen. So I want to talk a bit today about uh, mental health and physical wellness, something that both of you know a great deal about. And I was wondering if we could start by explaining kind of in a nutshell how it is that emotional adversity and stress can affect the capacity of our bodies to perform at their peak level. That's true for athletes and non-athletes alike, but what's that process like? And also, how can we build up the psychological resilience it takes to allow the mind to perform and focus on the task at hand? Wow. That's a good question. And it's a great question for this lady right here. (laughs) I think... Early on, my freshman year at PLU, Colleen would have us do goal sheets uh, on a weekly basis. We also, in the preseason, filled out a lot of questionnaires and just kind of wrap your mind. I think she was trying to get to know us better, but also teaching us how to properly goal set. You know, she taught us that we don't compare ourselves to others. And basically, we're comparing ourselves to our best self. And, you know, I think with that mindset, it kind of removes some of the pressure of like, oh, geez, well, that girl over there is playing way better than I am. And it kind of completely removes that stress and only focus on what you're capable of and do what you can do to prepare yourself to be the best you can be. And how do you take that with you kind of now as a professional Mm -hmm. CrossFit athlete? And, and what's the consequences of, of not going through exercises like that? Like, how can stress and, and adversity affect how fast you run a 60-yard dash? Yeah. You know, when the when the workout gets ready to go, the clock goes three, two, one, go, you go. And, like, your mind kind of turns off and you just 
do what you do. But yeah, I, I know mental stress, emotional stress can really make someone fatigued and tired and add lots of physical challenges to a person. You know, I try to sleep well, eat well. That's really important, especially as we get older and older. My, my sleep is very important, and I take special pride in that sleep mm-hmm. time. Colleen, what can you tell us about that process? None of us are leading less stressful lives, right? I mean, it's it. I, I smile sometimes at college students who are like hyper stressed and this is just crazy and I can't do it all. And in about 12 months, they'll look back and think, oh, man, that was so easy. That was like the time of my life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every year of our lives, there's more demands. There's more expectations. There's more pressure. We're juggling a lot of different roles that we have in life, you know, for Cheryl, it's, you know, wife and mother and CrossFit professional athlete and friend and fitness leader, right? I mean, we lead complex lives. And I know I do. My work with elite athletes and corporate work, you know, it's an increasingly stressful life. And all that I can say is, if I wasn't attentive to my health and fitness, I couldn't lead the life that I lead. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely essential as air and water. So on the one hand, you look at Cheryl and you look at this professional CrossFit athlete and you almost think that's the story. But for her to do that, uh, that commitment, that lifelong commitment is what what propelled her to where she is right now. From a neurochemical standpoint, we know that engaging in uh, aerobic uh, activities most days in the week combined with strength and conditioning kinds of programs appropriate to age and and capabilities, we know that it reduces cortisol, one of the big stress hormones. Uh, we know that it enhances five other neurochemicals. I don't want this to be a, a chemistry class, but we know that it enhances, it increases the amount of healthy, desirable uh, neurochemicals. So there's a there's just it's sort of health and fitness is the gift that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. It helps you do whatever you're doing in life better, more happily, more effectively, uh, more productively, whether it's husband, wife, mother, father, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, university professor, college student. Uh, it, I really view health and fitness as the miracle drug. And that more people aren't mm-hmm. taking that free drug is, and I put drug in air quotes, it, it changes everything about who you are as a human being. And I really, I really believe it's the gift that keeps on giving. So recognizing that all people are different and all people have different, different needs and, and different biological makeups and, and, and all that. What is the difference? I'm wondering about some of the health and fitness needs that are common in college age people and athletes. And then how those needs evolve into our 30s and 40s and and 50s. And then also, I want to start with Cheryl and just ask about what, among many things, and how you prepare mentally and physically to compete at such a high level from um, a collegiate athlete at PLU to now a professional athlete. How does that process change for you? Are there different things that maybe were more difficult when you were 18 to 22 that come easier now? Maybe that's clearing of the head or is there certain kind of health considerations that you have to do now? Maybe mm-hmm. it's something as simple as you, t- you never used to stretch when you were a college athlete mm-hmm. or things like that. I don't know. I'm just curious about how we change over time. I was missing that aspect of being a part of a team. Um, you know, you you move on from college and I played 
rec league soccer for quite a few years. Um, but it was just show up for a game and play, and that was it. No practices, no training for it. And I was kind of missing that, that I hate to say grind, but that, that day-to-day um, just working hard for a common goal type of thing. And uh, it was through a friend of mine that I was playing soccer with that told me about CrossFit. And I'm, I, I've never really competed in CrossFit on a team that's available. But um, just the, how CrossFit's set up with how you work out together in that class environment, um, it's very similar to my, to my experiences and memories of being a part of our PLU soccer team. Um, just some people might call view CrossFit like a cult in a way because that addiction type of I think once you experience it and you become just in love with it and addicted to it um, it just keeps driving you to uh, come back but I think it's a healthy addiction and I think um, I think that's why it's spread so rapidly across the world Mm -hmm. um, as people are finding that Um, I think Basically, you know, you asked about presently and how maybe how I've changed from when I was younger. Over all these years, I've had these experiences underneath my belt. And um, I don't I still get nervous, you know, for for events and competitions. I I do. But um, I just have all those experiences to draw upon. And it, it gives me the confidence to go out there and and put forth my best effort and having the confidence knowing that I put the hard work in. We'll be right back in just a second. On Open to Interpretation, host and PLU communication professor Amy Young is joined by PLU faculty members to discuss a single word commonly used in the news, on social media, and on college campuses. Past episodes include discussion of words like advocacy, climate, protest, and gender. Listen to episodes of Open to Interpretation and other PLU podcasts by subscribing to PLU Audio on iTunes or by visiting plu.edu slash audio. I'll come at it from a, from a different perspective. I mean, certainly I could talk about elite athletes or the professional athletes and Olympians that, that I've worked with, but... You know, in, in some ways, their lives might be a little bit more similar to, to Cheryl's as a professional professional CrossFit person that that is sort of marked by their unusualness, not their commonality. So I guess I want to say some things to what is 95, 98% of the population. And 95 to 98% of the population are not professional athletes. They're not going to be Olympians. Uh, they're not in neither CrossFit nor the NFL. And yet the benefits of, of health and fitness as a lifestyle are no less important to those folks. So I'm going to highlight two things, and this is really for everybody. But it also applies. It's the same advice I give uh, when it's appropriate to, to elite athletes. Number one is variety. And number two is joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm going to go back to Cheryl and, and she can add to this, but, you know, here she is a national champion intercollegiate soccer player. She was a state caliber basketball player and a soccer player and a runner. In other words, you, you look at excellence and you think this is all they did in their lives. And actually the data from Olympic athletes show that the, the average Olympian 
was involved in about three different sports their entire lives. They didn't hmm. specialize. So variety. I just lectured about this in, in uh, my motor learning class yesterday. So I, I put myself uh, under a challenge more than three decades ago that I said, I'm going to learn a new physical activity every single year of my life. Now, this three decades of me learning a new physical activity. Now, my, I don't know if I want to say default, but, you know, I've run 40 half marathons. I've run seven marathons. I mean, my default is distance running and, and strength training. But at any one time, stand up paddling. I'm hot yoga. I'm, you know, inline skating. I'm, you know, going down firefighter poles. I'm, you know, surfing. I'm doing as many different physical activities as I can find and do for the sheer joy of learning something new. Mm -hmm. uh, I think so many people, and it makes me sad, I'm, I'm working out to lose weight. I'm working out to do X, Y, or Z. Work out, find something you love, mm -hmm. dance, walk. Uh, I run down at, at, uh, at, Rustin Way here in Tacoma, and there's a woman who's wearing her headphones, and she just walks and dances down there. I mean, she is, <laughs> and I, she just delights me every time I see her. I want to grow up and be her someday. So whether it's dancing or skipping or gardening or walk jogging, I, I don't care. But get moving mm -hmm. and find that joyful activity that you like. And when I hear people go, well, I hate running, I'm going, well, then I wouldn't run. You know, I don't want to do a CrossFit, then don't do CrossFit. I, I, mm -hmm. I guess it's odd to me where people announce what they don't like while they're doing it. And I think, well, that would be kind of hard to stick with if I, if I didn't like doing it. There are so many ways to move your body. There are so many ways um, to learn and grow and experience the world through movement. And if it's not these 12 activities, then try number 13. Try number 14 is one size doesn't fit all and it doesn't have to. You don't have to measure it, but you can, mm -hmm. right? So, you don't have to count it, but you can. Yeah. So this notion that I have to reach certain numbers or targets, that appeals to people like me. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie to you. I want to know where I finished in the race. I want to know what my time is, but that's not for everybody. Cheryl's a professional athlete because... She cares about details much more than the average person. So one more rep is extraordinarily important to her. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't have to be the standard. I just want to go back to her earlier comment that, that when I was coaching here, our challenge was how good can you be? Your comparative framework was whoever you were yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I guess I would respectfully say I think she's still leading that life today. Uh, that yesterday wasn't good enough. What can I do tomorrow? And one more, whatever that is, one more in her world is the difference between first, second, and third. One more matters. But you don't have to live in that world to, to accrue the benefits of, mm -hmm. of health and fitness and movement. I think Colleen made an excellent point about just enjoying what you do and having variety. Um, excellent. My husband and I, after we graduated from PLU, we developed a retirement community with my parents, and it's for 55 and older. And we weren't, um, we had, it was a wonderful project. We owned it for 22 years. And uh, 
I wasn't quite prepared when we started that project what was to come, you know, as those people age. And as they began to age um, and pass on, I was like, whoa, I wasn't quite expecting that. Kind of prepare yourself for that. But what I found is like the people that kind of moved into retirement and just sat idle, they sat in front of their TVs all day long um, and weren't out and being active anymore or working. Um, they Their health really declined a lot more quickly than those that remained active and involved in activities. This last weekend I was watching sports. I was watching golf and football, two very, very different sports. And in golf, it seems like a lot of the athletes, um, the place that they get to emotionally and energy-wise is kind of a subdued, focused, quiet sort of place. And football is on, just as a generalization of golfers. Mm -hmm. And football, again, the majority of athletes seem to kind of amp themselves up to this hyper-energetic state prior to uh, competing, even though the focus in both those sports that re is required of the athletes is is amazing. And, and a lot of sports seem like they're kind of in, in between on that spectrum of where you are ener energetically, how much adrenaline you have running when you compete in the sport. And I was thinking about for, again, non-professional athletes or non-competitive athletes that we go through a, same, a similar process, amping ourselves up to do a big yard work project or to, mm -hmm. if you're a student, write a big paper or to do any kind of physical or, or mental task. But when we're left to our own to decide what sort of state would best equip us to attack a challenge, how do you find that right level to attack mentally and physically? Well, I'll jump in with this and, and just simply say it isn't a tricky thing. I appreciate that it seems like that, but Good. that's what my discipline does. That's what sport <laughs> yeah. and exercise psychology addresses. And there's really clear science on this. So in this way, I'm, I'm just going to give the answer. Uh, and, and we know that there are three variables that impact what the ideal level of activation or, or your word, getting amped up. There are three variables that have to be considered. There's the personal variables. In other words, Cheryl and I might do the same activity, but I require myself, I do better getting more activated. So I might be clapping before I do something to get myself going. Mm -hmm. And Cheryl would benefit more, I'm just using this illustratively, by dialing it down a bit. So there's inter-individual differences. The second factor, and you really edified that, is the type of task, so that we know that the more ballistic the task, the more powerful the task, we want, generally speaking, a higher level of activation. So when you think high explosiveness, think more anaerobic, if you will. I mean, I could describe those activities in a lot of different ways, but on a continuum, they generally benefit from a higher level of activation. Golf is an example, but even within a sport, for instance, basketball, when I go for a jump ball or rebound, I want a higher level of activation. But when I shoot a free throw, I need mm -hmm. to learn how to control it and bring. So even within the same sport, different tasks require different levels of activation. So you have inter-individual differences. You have the type of sport differences. And then the third is the task at hand. 
So you can't, like all sports, you wouldn't characterize football uh, as a universal task because the quarterback generally benefits from a lower level of activation, whereas a linebacker generally benefits from a higher level of activation. So it's those three variables. Then overlaying all of that is the importance of the event. So when it's a scrimmage, when I'm ahead by 20 points, mm -hmm. when Cheryl's competing against me in CrossFit where it's not even close because my <laughs> clock's getting cleaned, then the level of activation is not as important. But if I'm going for the state championship, the mm -hmm. national championship, the world championship, generally, whether it benefits or us or not, most people, their activation starts ramping up and often to a detrimental level. Mm -hmm. In my world, it's called job security. So I get to work with the best athletes at the, in the world who have a ton of experience, who have multi-million dollar contracts, but you never outgrow the nerves, for lack of a better way to say it. And so that ability to moderate the situation, the importance of the event, and still across those three variables is a lifelong task. I can speak, um, that's perfect. I mean, I can't make that any better, but just personal experience. I can take like my last three years example competing. This year was great. Like I was really happy with my mental mindset and my output and performance. Um, but I can honestly say like each of the last two years going into the, to the world games, I could, I can remember distinctly like thinking right before an event, like, gosh, why do I do this to myself kind of thing? And putting that stress on yourself. I had to stop and like, again, this is important to, for, for us to have fun while we're doing it, right? And if you're, you're stressing about it, then something's not quite right. So after that season was over, I just had to stop and kind of reflect and stop and think about what's my why? Why am I doing this? I get tons of feedback from people across the world, across the nation about how I inspire them at this age, what I'm doing and how I inspire them. And that's, that's a big piece of why I enjoy what I'm doing is to be a light to someone else and not make it fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for both of you for sharing that, that perspective. Um, in closing, Cheryl, is there a, uh, what's the best way for people to follow your competitions and your CrossFit career? Games.crossfit.com. Uh, they do a good job of promoting when, when we're in our season. I also have social media outlets. Um, I have a Cheryl Brost CrossFit Athlete page where I tap my personal Facebook, Cheryl Brost. Instagram is Cheryl Brost. <laughs> and uh, Twitter is CBrost321Go. I have a Twitter account, Dr. Colleen Hacker. All right. But most people get a hold of me through, through PLU. Again, thank you so much for uh, Thanks, taking the Zach. time to talk. Thanks so much.